Happy Advent, everybody. Can you believe it? We are 10 days away from Christmas. Let's send some Christmas love to the rest of our church. Joining us on the big screen, Happy Advent. Glad you are here. Um, hey, just kind of want to let you know if you're new, what you're doing is you're walking in on something called the Advent Conspiracy. For three weeks, we're celebrating Advent, which is the four weeks leading up to Christmas. And it's something that Christ followers have done for almost 2,000 years, just kind of prepare our hearts for the advent or arrival of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So every week, we're inviting a church family to light a candle on our advent wreath. And today, we're honored to have Eli and Janet and their gorgeous little girls. Can we welcome them? You want to light the candle for us today? Awesome. Now, notice uh, Janet's lighting the pink candle. And it's interesting because people are like, what's the different colors? Um, the purple represents, it's a liturgical color, it represents like prayer and penance, so like repentance. But pink represents joy. It's called the shepherd's candle because it says, uh, with great joy, the angel announced the news to the shepherds that, hey, Jesus came and it's for a humble, unimportant people like you. So I want you to lean in and listen as they have today's Advent reading from the Gospel of John. Eli, take it away. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We may have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. May Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's pray. Father, today we're filled with joy because light has come into this dark world. We thank you uh, for your one and only Son, our Savior Jesus, who came from you full of grace and truth. Would you just fill us right now with a fresh sense of your grace? Our ears are open to your truth. And Father, may you fill us with joy this Advent, Father. Let us not feel, Lord, and get caught up in that Christmas uh, stress, Father, but we're quieting down our hearts, and Father, we just welcome you in this holy season. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. 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 Can we thank this family? Thank you, guys. Grateful Eli. Thank you, Janet. See you, guys. Great job. Awesome. Well, that's what, what we learned is uh, Advent's actually kind of the antidote to the chaos of our modern consumer Christmas. Like here in the West, uh, Christmas is almost entirely commercial, right? It's all about shopping and buying stuff you don't need with money you don't have uh, for people you don't even like necessarily, right? But you, but you sprinkle in some stress from running around or crowded calendars, and it's really easy to be overwhelmed and kind of just miss out on that joy and wonder. So what we've been doing is something that I think is counterculture uh, this month. We're inviting you to join the Advent Conspiracy and kind of push back against this tidal wave of stress and commercialism and instead worship fully. That is, we're slowing down our services and our lives and saying we want to make Jesus the center of the season. As a way to do that, we are spending less as an act of rebellion against the empire of more. Uh, last week, we learned the birth of Jesus was really announcing God saying, hey, there's a new king in town, and unlike Herod, he's not all about hoarding possessions and stuff, but Jesus as king came to humbly serve his people and to give his life away. So we said, hey, what if instead of like overspending and hoarding possessions, 
This year to honor Jesus, we spent less. What if our families actually set a limit and made a budget? I know the B word, we said it. And spent wisely. Maybe even giving three simple gifts like the wise men gave, right, to those you love. Very thoughtful, heartfelt gifts from the heart. What's interesting is I found that very much resonated with many families. Uh, after service, I had a few parents come up and say, Pastor Tim, thank you. <laughs> I feel like we finally got permission to spend less and, and just curb this crazy spending that crushes us every December. It's like a relief. In fact, a couple people say, I wish I heard that message 20 years ago. You know, because there's a sense of relief and freedom. I think that comes with the gift of limits. Limits are a gift. And when you give thoughtfully. Now, on the other hand, I did have a guy come up to me and say, uh, you know, hey, Pastor Tim, I, uh, I know the wise man gave three gifts in all, you know, gold, frankincense, myrrh. I like the idea of cutting back. This year, keep it simple. Just give me the gold, you know? <laughs> I was like, God bless you, Vinny. Uh, remember, setting a limit doesn't mean you love your friends and family any less. Rather, inspires you to give more, give more relationally, more creatively, and that's what I want to talk about today. How do you give more while spending less? Because it sort of sounds like a contradiction, right? Uh, maybe not. I think we all know there's this like stress around gift giving at this time of year. You feel the pressure to pick like the perfect gift that sends the perfect message to the person you love. But the crazy part is like you can blow a ton of money and still miss the mark completely. In fact, I saw a funny episode of The Big Bang Theory. Have you guys seen that TV show? Uh, it's about this guy named Sheldon. Uh, he's a brilliant uh, physicist and uh, quantum physics. He's like super smart, but he's this like nerd who has no uh, EQ or kind of emotional intelligence, especially involving women, uh, which makes Christmas a nightmare because his neighbor Penny is this great gift giver and Sheldon never knows what to get her at Christmas. Watch this, see if you can relate. Great news, Leonard. I've solved my penny gift dilemma. Yippee. You see, the danger was that I might under or over reciprocate, but I have devised a foolproof plan. I will open her gift to me first and then excuse myself feigning digestive distress. Then I'll look up the price of her gift online, choose the basket closest to that value, give it to her, and then I'll return the others for a full refund. Brilliant. Hmm. It is, isn't it? <laughs> oh, good, Penny. You're here to exchange gifts. <laughs> You'll be pleased to know I'm prepared for whatever you have to offer. Okay, here. <laughs> oh. A napkin. Turn it over. <laughs> to Sheldon, live long and prosper. Leonard Nimoy. He came into the restaurant, sorry the napkin's dirty, he wiped his mouth with it. <laughs> Possess the DNA of Leonard Nimoy? Yeah, I guess, but look, he signed it. 
do you realize what this means? <laughs> All I need is a healthy ovum and I can grow my own Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> giving you is the napkin, Shelby. Be right back. Sheldon, what did you do? I know. It's not enough, is it? Here. have a little bit of stress uh, about giving the perfect gift to that person you love. Like, you don't want to spend too much, and you don't, certainly don't want to buy too little, but like, how do you make it personal, right? I mean, I'll admit I've spent some Decembers kind of wandering around the mall, confused and a little clueless about what to get the people I love most. Like, would, you know, would my wife wear these leggings, you know, Lululemon, what is this? I don't even know. Or how about for my brother? My brother comes in from San Francisco. He's like the guy who has everything. I'm like, what do I get him? And it's so like, I wander in the sharper image. And I'm like, oh, that's it. An electronic toilet paper dispenser with a shelf for your cell phone. That's perfect. He'll love it. Thank you. Uh, right? So we, like, we do these crazy gift exchanges to show our love. Like, as if another, you know, sweater or scented candle will really express my heart. And so I think a lot of people go overboard, right? Like, like you know, you buy your wife a Peloton bike. Hey, some of you know what I'm talking about. I don't know if you saw this, but there's this very controversial commercial about a, her husband who gets his wife this exercise bike for Christmas. It's like a $2,000 exercise bike. And I remember seeing, 4,000? I don't know, it's nuts. I saw the commercial, I was like, bro, you bought your wife an exercise bike for Christmas? Hope you save some for marriage counseling. You know, that's not gonna work out for you, man. Yet, you know, there's something I think really beauty, beautiful and moving, that when you get a gift that like just nails it, you know, that shows like someone really understood you. I was talking to a friend uh, at work this week about memorable gifts, and she told me how she and her husband lived overseas for 18 months. And during that time, she kind of wrote a blog about their adventures. And when they moved back here to New Jersey for Christmas, her husband took all her blog entries and photos, and he created this beautifully bound book, actually put her picture on it, an author bio on the back cover. I'll show it up on the side screen there. And he surprised her on Christmas morning with this memory book. Like, this is before, you know, Shutterfly and all that kind of stuff. And she was, like, totally in tears. It's just like, Tim, it, like, meant the world. There's, like, this wow moment. Now, what makes that a keepsake she's going to treasure for life? Why? Because the best gifts always commemorate a relationship. A gift like this is priceless because it's so personal. They'll treasure for years because it speaks to the heart. And guys, that's how you give more at Christmas. You give relational gifts. Remember, God's like solution to the world's problems has never been material stuff. At Christmas, we're celebrating that God gives us the relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. Like it's the most personal gift anybody could give. At that first Christmas, God gives us himself. And this is how you spend less and give more at Christmas by giving relationally the way God gave Jesus to you. Can everyone say these two words? Giving relationally. You know, in our scripture reading from today, the Gospel of John, 
Eli read these words. He said, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now, the word is just a term used by Jews and Greeks to refer to God, specifically our creator. But John explains in his gospel that God has a name. The word's personal name is Jesus. So in the beginning was the son, and the son was with the father. In other words, if you pull back the curtain of the cosmos, what's at the heart of the universe? It's not a big bang. It's not a physics equation. At the heart of all reality is the relationship of love between a father and his son. In fact, the father and son were so closely connected that Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen my father. We're relationally one. And then there's this third person, the Holy Spirit, who's like the, the crackling charge and bond of love between us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. This trinity is the wellspring of all reality, the wellspring of all life, the wellspring of all love. Speaking of Jesus, John says, through Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In other words, Jesus isn't just a little boy in a cradle. He's the creator of the universe. Jesus spoke the word into existence with his word. He spun planets into space. He holds galaxies in his hand. Colossians says, Christ is before all things, and in him all things, what? Hold together. So John's reminding us that Jesus didn't come into existence like on Christmas morning. Yes, Jesus was laid in a cradle. He was born as a baby. But understand, the son has always existed in perfect relationship with his father, and here's the miracle. John says at Christmas, the word became what? Became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us. So this is like the most important verse at Advent. You understand what John is saying? He's saying the creator of the cosmos, the one who existed before time began, the all-powerful Lord of the universe, he came and chose to be with you. He came to be one of us. You talk about a relational gift. The gift God gives on that very first Christmas was a gift of himself. I love the way the message paraphrase describes. This is my favorite version. The word became flesh and blood and what? Moved into the neighborhood. Isn't that fun? God's son took on skin and bone and gut so, so we could feel his love up close and personal. Now theologians have a name for this. They call it the incarnation. You see the word carne or, or meat, flesh. It's this miraculous moment when Jesus, the author of eternity, he actually steps out of heaven into our story as a human baby. And suddenly God is no longer up there. He's come down here. The Almighty is suddenly tangible. He's approachable. He's right next to us. You talk about a relational gift. When we actually look into the manger, we see that the God came to be with us. And it's a relational gift. And so that's what I want to encourage you to do this Christmas. Take your cue from the story of Jesus and give relationally to those you love. Give the gift of presence and creativity. Give yourself just like Christ gave himself to you. Now, what does that look like practically speaking? Well, I think the incarnation shows us three things in very practical terms. What it means to give yourself relationally. And if you're taking notes, there are really three practical ways you can do this. Notice first here in the scripture, the gift of Jesus was very, very personal. In other words, Luke's account of the Christmas story has this famous birth announcement delivered by angels. They said, today, in the town of David, 
A savior has been born to who? To? No, that got to be better than that church. A savior has been born to you. To you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. Yes, God came for the whole world, but he also came for you, Joe. He also came for you, Erica. He also came for you, Vince. His gift was personal to you. Truth be told, I think the majority of Christmas gifts we typically forget because of how impersonal they are. I mean, just as a little show, turn to your neighbor right now. I'll give you 10 seconds. Can you name one present you got last Christmas? Turn to your neighbor right now and name one present. I'll give you 10 seconds. Nine, eight, seven, five, one thing. Just remember one thing. Three, two, one. Okay, how many could name one? How many could name one? Okay, that's amazing. It's literally like about seven people. One guy over here just goes, socks? <laughs> you know, like, I don't know, man. Now, why is that? Why can't you remember one gift from 12 months ago? Well, it's because you got another shirt to add to your closet full of shirts, right? Or someone bought you a, uh, a belly pack, right? Have you seen this, by the way? Some sweet action right there. That's a fanny pack with a... I was like, no, thank you. I already have one, you know? Or maybe they bought you a drone, right, from Amazon, and uh, it worked for about <laughs> it worked for about eight seconds, <laughs> and then got caught in your hair. We all get this stuff at Christmas that's instantly forgettable because it's material, not relational. Get it? In contrast, relational giving means you actually slow down and you pay attention to the other person. And you think about who they are and, and what they care about, right? Jim, you say, what does Estee care about? What's in her heart? You know, when I walked around the office this week, I, I was saying, you know, name a Christmas gift. And almost and nobody on our staff could remember one from last year, just like you. But then I, I tweaked the question. I said, okay, now, name the most thoughtful gift you've ever received. And it was fascinating because people lit up. Pastor Jim from Essex County pulled out his phone. He says, take a look at this. And he shows me this photo. And it's a art piece that his wife made for him. It's this beautiful eagle, right, kind of soaring through the sky. And, he said, and I was like, why is it significant? He says, because God gave me a word for 2019. The word was soar. God wants me to soar. And she, because as a pastor, just you got to understand, okay, ministry sometimes feels more like pulling weeds than soaring through the sky like an eagle. And so you're like, okay, that's kind of cool. She's artsy. No, 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 watch this. Jim's wife, Shauna, collected all these index cards that Jim uses to write notes about people he cares for. Those are his handwritten notes, and she collected them through the year and created this soaring eagle, and every feather of the eagle is a scripture verse. Be strong, be courageous, God's got you. Is that a beautiful gift or what? I mean, yeah, can we hear it for Pastor Jim's wife? Bro, you married up. He actually, he actually got choked up. He's like, Tim, I'm a blessed man, okay? God and my wife love to spoil me. Now, we look at that, and it's like, why is that so precious? Answer, because it's personal. At Christmas, God's gift of Jesus was personal. It was handcrafted just for you to show you his love and care. So here's a challenge. What if you took time this December, and you didn't just buy something easy from the mall or expensive from a catalog, and you actually gave some creative thought to the other person. Like, who are they exactly? How did God, what, what, do they all, what do they really care about? And give them something personal 
that really speaks their love language. You know, there's a, a, a you don't have to blow a lot of money. There's a video that went viral this week featuring an Amazon delivery man. Did you see this? Yeah, it's kind of fun. So this woman in Delaware knew that she was going to be getting a lot of packages delivered to her door this December. And, you know, from UPS and Amazon. And so she said, I want to give my delivery guys a thank you gift. And so she left a little surprise on her porch. Watch how it impacts the Amazon delivery man. Take a look. That's my little, my little joy dance right there, man. I love that. I, he, said he, I, he said he was overwhelmed by a Diet Coke and some Oreos. Why did that gift mean so much to him? Because it was personal. It's this little gestures woman saying, hey, I see you. I see how hard you're working. I just want to give you something to show my appreciation and care. Isn't that beautiful? See, gifts don't have to be expensive or over the top. The best ones are personal. And simply say, man, I understand your world, and I made this just for you. God's gift of Jesus was first personal. If you're taking notes. The second thing, notice, God's gift of Jesus was also his presence. My question is like, this Christmas, what if you gave the gift of presence? Not presence with a T-S, presence but presence with a C-E, meaning the gift of your presence being there face-to-face, spending time with those you love. You know, Matthew's account of Jesus' birth, he takes us back to the words of Isaiah. Here's what he writes. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they'll call him, what's the name, church? Say it. Emmanuel, which means God with us. In other words, the gift of presence. The incarnation is when God breaks through and he gives us his presence in a flesh and blood way. Like, if you understand, like, this is a breakthrough in the Bible. For thousands of years, God was invisible. His people knew his name, but not his face. And suddenly, in Jesus, God has a face. He has a voice. He has a real mother. He eats real food. He cries real tears. He he laughs hard with real people. Jesus genuinely loved being with people. And you know what? People loved being close to Jesus. So this Christmas, here's my question. Is there someone you love who is craving the gift of your presence? Just the act of you actually showing up and spending dedicated time with them. Now, at Christmas, I love, I love just kind of watching those cell phone videos of soldiers returning home to surprise their families. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like every time my heart starts feeling a little bit of heart, I'm just like, I just need 30 seconds. And I think the reason I love it is because you see the gift of presence at Christmas is more powerful than anything in the world. Take a look, 30 seconds.
I, I cry every time I see those, you know? I know it's going to happen, but I just, because people, they're just, they're just overwhelmed. The, you're here. You're right. You're present. They shed these tears of joy. The gift of presence is so powerful. And guess what? You don't have to fly anywhere to make this happen. You know, a friend told me about a relational gift that he gives to his nieces and nephews at Christmas. Uh, he and his wife, they don't have kids, and so what they do is they buy tickets to a movie theater, and they make up these treat bags full of candy. So they take the kids to, like, Walgreens, and they get, like, you know, Snickers and Skittles and Starbucks, and they smuggle it all in. They just kind of, like, get it all on in there, right? And uh, over Christmas break, they take all their nieces and nephews to the movie, and they're like, we just have a blast, Tim. We spend the day together. It's usually a stupid movie, but it doesn't matter. The movie's just an excuse because it's about FaceTime with my nephews and my nieces. It's the gift of presence, us just having FaceTime together. So my challenge to you would be, what could you do to brainstorm some ideas that would give the gift of presence to those you love this December? Like maybe you actually put your phones away for a night and play board games. Can you imagine that? If you went into airplane mode for 24 hours, or you built a fort with your grandkids, or if you're like musical, sing songs, write a song, whatever. Or maybe you skip the traditional Christmas presents and you go out to dinner, you see a show in the city. Maybe you host it, maybe you just host a party, you know, with you know, fondue and charades. I love fondue. <laughs> I love fondue. Oh my gosh. Kyle, we need to do fondue. They just I feel like. Okay. Um, the, the, the point is, stop back. Okay. <laughs> cheese? Did someone say cheese? What? <laughs> Plan one technology-free night for your, turn off the distractions and spend quality time together. It's funny to me because like we're in this digital world where we're more connected than ever, right? With those we love, right? You can text, you can tweet, you can tag them. People are starving for presence. They are desperate to have those unhurried conversations and connections and make memories. You know, I heard of one family who actually skipped the traditional Christmas presents, because Advent Conspiracy, there are other churches who are, are doing this all around the world. And this one family uh, skipped the presents and actually said, we're going to save all our money and we're going to take our kids to Disney for Christmas. And oh yeah, oh, a fortune, right? They had to mortgage their house. Okay, <laughs> that's not how you spend less, but you get the idea. They were just like family time. And so um, they came back and the dad was all angry and upset. Why? They said, because you know what my son's favorite part was? Playing in the hotel pool. He says, we go to Disney, we get home, what's your favorite part? He goes, hotel pool. In other words, not Space Mountain, not Star Wars. And his dad was like, I could have saved a ton of money. We didn't have to fly to Florida. We could have went in the hotel pool or the YMCA, you know, for free. The question is, why did his son love playing in the hotel pool so much? Because he got the gift of his dad's presence. He was off from work, fully present, spending time with his child. So here's my question for you. Is there someone in your life who is longing to just experience your presence this Christmas? Give yourself to them, guys, the way Jesus gave himself to you. Honestly, guys, they don't, they don't want more Axe body spray, okay, or <laughs> another tie. They just want time with you. You know, it's funny. So my mom, make it personal, she's in her 70s now. She's a widow. She lives alone. And with two teenagers, our family honestly doesn't get over to her house as much as we would like. And so last week I said, so mom, you know, what do you, what do you want for Christmas? And she said, honestly, I don't need anything. She said, now that I'm older, I'm actually trying to give stuff away. And I was like, you sure you don't want something from the mall? And she said, no, you know what I would like for Christmas? 
She said, I would love it if you and Colleen, the kids, would come over and help clean my attic. <laughs> and I said, you sure you don't want anything from the store? You know, <laughs> right? And it was funny because she, I, I can tell when she gets excited because she gets kind of sing-songy in her voice. She goes, no, come to my house. We'll make lunch. We can clean together. <laughs> and, and I realized what she was saying, right? Like our family going to her house is about her having her loved ones present. Yeah, we'll empty her attic, but our presence will fill her heart. You understand? The point is, I want to challenge you to resist just buying what's easy or on sale and give the relational gift like the gift of presence. The gift of Jesus was personal. It was the gift of presence. And the final thing you see here in the Gospels is that God's gift of Jesus was pricey. In other words, it cost him everything. Remember this, Jesus was not born into existence on Christmas morning, right? John says God the Son was in loving union with his Father from all eternity. So when Jesus leaves his Father's side to be with you, he leaves behind the splendor and the majesty of heaven, and he is humbly entering history as this baby, a helpless baby born in straw poverty. Now in Philippians, the Apostle Paul, he says that, look at this, this is incredible. He says, if you have any faith, any hope, look at Jesus. And here's what he says. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself what, church? Nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. What did he do? He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. What did giving relationally cost Jesus? Answer, everything. It cost him his life. So understand, giving relationally will be costly because that's the price of love. Jesus was born in a cradle and then he dies on a cross so he can give you the gift of eternal life. So love doesn't always mean you spend more money. It's about spending yourself. It's about sacrificing more time, giving more energy, investing more creativity to make the gift relational. So don't just go to, you know, you don't just go to the mall and say, okay, the bath bombs are on sale, just chuck them in the thing, you know, whatever. If you want to give a truly relational gift, you have to pay the price with more time. Maybe the person you love is like my mom. Her, her, her love language is acts of service, okay? And maybe you and the kids make a, make a coupon book, you know, a helping hands book, and it's like one coupon is for a, a night of free babysitting, or here's a coupon for a Saturday to do yard work, or, or a coupon for folding laundry, or cleaning the garage, or a walk the dog once a month. Remember, Jesus had a spirit of a servant. He said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. So maybe there's a young couple in your family, and you're like, I'm going to give them the gift of a date night. We're going to pay for dinner out and babysit their young kids, but we're going to give them back at the end, okay? You know? Not for life. They'll go overboard. All right. Or as a, maybe as a family, you're just like, you know what? All we do is go back and forth to the stores, and it's getting nuts. And you say, time out. Next Saturday, or this, whatever, Thursday night, we're going to spend an entire evening baking cookies as a family, and we're going to write thank you notes to all the people who serve us all the police officers, all the first responders, the teachers, the garbage men, and then we're going to hand deliver them together. See, giving relationally will require more time and more effort. 
Maybe you live um, far away from a family member and you only see them once a year on Christmas. Um, and you say, you know what? On Christmas morning, I'm going to hand them a letter, a handwritten letter, not an email. I'm going to handwrite a letter and I'm saying, I'm giving you this because it's the first of 12. Grandma and Grandpa, you're going to get a handwritten letter once a month. In other words, you're not enrolling them in a jelly of the month club, but they're going to get a letter of month from their grandchild. Can you imagine what that would do for them? You see, some of your kids are just like, I just want to buy them some of the store. I get it. It's easier. But what if you give a little forethought and care? What, what would it mean to really touch the heart of this person and, and express your heart to them? So I was talking with Pastor Clint, our worship pastor. And when I said, hey, what's the most thoughtful gift you ever received? He's like, easy. My wife, Abby, secretly planned a road trip to Nashville. And she did it behind my back. I had no idea. <laughs> He said, I, would have got, I got a little nervous about traveling. He said, she only told me like a couple days before and she booked all the travel, all the hotels, planned all our activities. Like she, re, she researched places to eat, where, where to go to listen to music because he's the worship pastor, right? Now catch this. This was really cool. And he said, you know what she really actually did, Tim? She went behind my back and reached out to my boss and said, hey, is it okay if I kidnap Clint for a couple days? And then she reached out to another worship leader to arrange coverage so that he could be away for the whole weekend. Is that thoughtful? Pastor Clint married up. You need to give it up for Abby because she's, you know, tell you what, all right? That, what's cool about that is that kind of planning takes time and effort, but it makes this memory for life because it's so heartfelt. So spend time being more creative, okay? Now, I just want to call this out. Some of you are, some of you here creative, you're like, oh man, I'm going to have to buy a hot glue gun now. I got to go to Hobby Lobby, Okay. I'm not saying you have to get all crafty, all right? Maybe you will. DIY projects are awesome. But the point is, what if you actually resist the urge to just swing by the store or just buy whatever is on sale online, you know, quick and easy? Maybe instead, maybe instead you have a friend who's a photographer and you hire them to take family photos and you actually create a scrapbook or a photo album for your in-laws and, and on Christmas morning, you actually go through it page by page, creating memory. Again, I heard of one family, this is cool, they made a quilt out of family photos to give to their sick aunt. She uh, lived in another state, she actually had cancer, and she was too sick to travel on Christmas, and so they spent hours and hours collecting family photos and made this gorgeous quilt for her, and so she kind of like hung it on her wall. But the following year, in December, she was coming to the end of her cancer journey, and she was put on hospice. And she said to the nurse who was a home nurse to her in her final days, she said, would you take the blanket down, the quilt from the wall, and wrap me up in it? Because I want to be wrapped up by the love of my family before I go to meet Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? What's, that What's the price of that present? Are you kidding me? It's priceless. Guys, that's what investing the time and effort and creativity and thought means and the impact it can have. I mean, can you imagine in 10 days approaching Christmas, not with dreading the mall, but the, this joy of, of giving something that's going to truly touch the heart of those you love with the love of Christ. So guys, there's 10 days until Christmas. Is that overwhelming to you? Don't be overwhelmed, okay? Some of you are overwhelmed right now. You're like, I already bought a lot of crap, Tim. I can't do that. Just stop. <laughs> I get it. Me too. Here's my challenge. Bite-sized people, one step at a time. Do it for one person this year. Start with one person. So there's going to be one person on my list that I'm going to actually give relationally to. 
And the next week, I'm gonna, uh, next year, I'm going to add a second person and then a third. So don't be overwhelmed. Start with one and give relationally and resist the temptation because it is a temptation. Just to give whatever is easy or whatever is on sale. Don't give thoughtless material things at Christmas. I'll end with this quote. It's not from scripture. It should be. It's from Michael Scott. My favorite philosopher from the office. He said, presents are the best way to show someone how much you care. It's like this tangible thing you can point to and say, hey, man, I love you this many dollars worth. <laughs> you know, we laugh at that because of how hollow that sounds. It's not true. Guys, this Advent, let's conspire to give gifts that aren't material but are relational, like God's gift of Jesus. May you give personally in 10 days. May you give the gift of your presence. And don't be afraid to give gifts that are pricey, that actually cost you something in terms of time, effort, or creativity. Because I'm telling you, if you reclaim the true heart of the original Advent, you just may discover these deep moments of connection with family and friends that you'll actually remember next Christmas. Your kids will actually see what it means to give gifts that are sacrificial and heartfelt. And your friends and your coworkers and your neighbors may actually even see the love of Jesus up close and personal through your presence. And that would be priceless, amen? Let's pray together. Father, we are woke to the high price and the personal cost of the gift of Jesus. Thank you for sending the very best. You sent your sinless son as a sacrifice for all of our faults, our failings, our sins, and in turn, give us eternal life, the most priceless gift of all. And so, Father, I pray right now for those who know you and those who maybe are far from you right now, Father, may they invite Christ into their heart through faith. And Jesus, would you live your life out through us this December? Father, I pray right now against any spirit of overwhelm and that our hearts would not get harder, but we'd find them getting softer as we get closer to Christmas. God, may you do breakthrough moments between husbands and wives, marriages, parents, kids, grandparents, in-laws. God, may you create room and space and time for deep, heartfelt, personal connections this Christmas. And Lord, may we feel your love. May the love of Jesus be apparent to all. It's in his name and to his glory we pray. Everyone said together, amen.